Hey everybody, I'm Katie McDoyle and this is the Detecting History podcast. and welcome to episode 16 of the Detecting History podcast. How have you been? I've had a lovely week. I was a little bit poorly in the middle of the week, but got over it. I got out digging this morning for a couple of hours, found three lovely buttons and that was it. But you know what? They were wonderful and I loved it. Blue sky, that gorgeous orangey tone to the late autumnal sun, crisp cool air in my lungs. It was superb. What have you all been up to? Um, Thank you for all of your lovely messages and kind reviews for the podcast. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate all of you. I've chatted to so many new lovely people, made lovely friends and long may it continue. That's what I've got to say. Speaking of which, if you'd like to buy me a coffee in real life, if you met me or beer, as I am partial to the odd beer, then please consider doing so virtually. Um, Someone recommended I set up a link in which you can buy me a coffee you'll see it in the episode notes and on the podcast uh, notes there's a link you can buy me a coffee and that's just a one-off donation to help us with the pesky hosting fees we've all got so many subscriptions and bits and bobs so the patreon might be just a bit too much for some people but if you want to keep the podcast going i need your help if you could buy me a coffee i'd be really grateful um so you go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash detecting history podcast or as I say, all the links are on the show notes and in the show descriptions, and I'll put the link up on Instagram as well. Thanks, everyone. Um, shout out. So thank you for getting in contact. This week, we had a shout out from Future Bleeps, who shared with me the, an event. Uh, so this is East of England Rallies. Go to eastofenglandrallies.co.uk for more info. So there is the Merton March Weekender. So this is over the 2nd and 3rd of March 2024 in Norfolk. It's £70 a ticket over the two days and it's nearly sold out. In fact, it might very soon be sold out. So go and have a look, see if you can get a ticket. Maybe more will come out in future. Don't know. Um, But go and have a look at that. I'd not heard of that one before. Um, And East of England in Norfolk. Wow can imagine that they find some great things there so go and check that out and thank you future bleeps for that recommendation joseph hoyle has been in touch to tell me about a new book also available as an audiobook called the accidental detectress by nigel richardson so joseph says it's a really good read or listen from someone who is just starting out in the hobby and it made him laugh a lot and also dig a dawn makes an appearance I'm there, Joseph. I'm on it. I'm going to download it and listen to it very soon. And thank you for the recommendation. If anyone out there has any other news recommendations or wants to give a shout out, please let me know and I'll feature it in the next possible episode. Finally, some exciting news. I'm launching a competition with the help from my friend and friend of the show, Darren Booth, History Unearthed, um, for Christmas. So to enter the competition, please share with me a picture of your best find of 2023. So you can tag the podcast account on Instagram or DM me the details or do the same on Facebook or even send me an email at detectinghistorypodcast at gmail.com. In December, there will be a daily post from the podcast Instagram account. 
And if your picture is behind a window on the Detecting History podcast advent calendar, then you're a winner. So I'll get your details and send you one of our lovely podcast stickers. The final door will be number 24 on our advent calendar. And if your find is pictured behind this door, then you will be the winner of the Detecting History podcast find of the year, find of 2023. And we'll get all sorts of goodies, including a lovely little trophy, no expense spared. So don't delay, send in your entries by midnight on Sunday, the 26th of November. So you only have two weeks. I'll also be going through all of the followers profiles on Instagram and Facebook to seek out that find of the year. So just in case you don't get round to sending it in or have a look on your profiles and if you shared it there and I love it, I will be uh, considering putting it on the advent calendar. And I'm not just talking silver, gold, but you know, I love my artifacts and weird things. So uh, yeah, anything you found really, it might get considered and might end up on the advent calendar. Let's get to this week's episode. So this week we had the wonderful Ellie, Miss Detectorist on Instagram. Uh, She's a force to be reckoned with. She's not been on Instagram for long, but already she's amassed a large following. Um, She's so interesting to talk to, so many great ideas. She's had some wonderful finds. She's very knowledgeable on history. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed her company and we had a fantastic chat. Uh, I really hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to the Detecting History podcast and this week I'm joined by the wonderful Ellie. You'll know Ellie as Miss Detectress on Instagram and YouTube. Ellie, how are you doing today? Hello Katie, it's lovely to finally meet you. Yes, we were just saying actually off camera, it's always nice to meet people in person, even if virtually, to see the person behind all the epic content that we've been seeing off of you and others recently. So yeah, it's lovely to meet you too. Lovely to put a face to a name. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting some of these personalities I'm starting to get to know through Instagram and YouTube. Actually, someone suggested last night, why don't we do a, a YouTube live and we can all chat? And I was like, oh. yes, let's do it. So, <laughs> might set that up. Yeah, do it, do it. You've got to do it. Especially when it comes into the winter months as well and it gets a bit difficult, less light and all the rest of it. We're all sort of fumbling around trying to find new things to do in our hobby. So I think that would go down really well. Absolutely. I think we could kind of have like a virtual detecting club. So we could kind of almost get, you know, bring your own drink yes. and, and show some of your finds. And, yes. You know, okay. Well, I think you need to trademark that right now because this is going to go out on the okay. podcast. So everybody, you can't <laughs> steal that. Ellie's doing that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'll be there. I will sign up for my membership for sure. Right. <laughs> All right. So Ellie, you are, um, as I say, on Instagram, you've got over a thousand followers there on there already. And I was looking back through your post and it looked like you started your Instagram account on the 5th of September, something like that. I don't know. It's gone so fast. I, honestly, it's been absolutely bonkers. I've, I'm not new to Instagram. I, I already have another Instagram account because I'm an artist and uh, so I'm quite comfortable on Instagram. Yeah. But oh my goodness, this one's grown so much faster than my <laughs> actual art account. So yeah, um, thanks everyone who is following. Yeah. And um, it's finding it really fun. Not only fun, but also 
you know, great to share knowledge. Everyone's helping me learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a there's so many people, even with the podcast and my own personal detecting um, account as well. So many people, so helpful, and you know, take time out of their day to help you with content or identifying finds or whatever it is. It's so lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Um, nice. I was looking. You're part of um, Team LP as well. That's right. Yeah, that all happened very quickly as well. So I I joined up. I really started that Instagram account because I was a I was becoming aware that if I keep posting about my finds in my art accounts, I see my my search, my passion for the search very much as part of my creative practice and as an artist. So I used mm. found objects and found surfaces to inspire my painting work. Um, but I started I, I started metal detecting and I realized that I was m- quite regularly posting crusty old green coins and I thought, oh, I don't want to alienate people who are really here to see my painting work. So I, I thought what I'll do is I'll set up a second account. Yeah. And the Miss, Miss Detectorist name was really a bit of a joke. And I was going to change it, but it's too late now because that's what <laughs> I was going to change it. But I only set that up because I thought it was a joke because, you know, when you go to digs, I, I don't know if you feel like this, but I go to digs and quite often I'm either the only woman there or yeah. one of maybe two or three I know I stick out like a sore thumb as well. Like I get up my car and I, you know, got the nails going on, <laughs> and my hair, you know, I sort of think I look different. I know I do. I know I don't fit in. I'm like a fish out of water. <laughs> well, I thought I'll make a joke about it. It's all you can do, isn't it? Style it out. So I thought myself Mr. Tetris, and I thought I'll change that. But now I'm stuck with it. So when I'm 95 <laughs> and I'm calling it Tetris, like Miss Havisham covered in cotton. Oh, do you remember Miss Detectorist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. And I, I've seen a couple of your posts and I feel exactly the same. Now, why is it as women, we feel like we stick up like a sore thumb? And I wonder what it's like on the other side, the other folks. Do they think that females or non-binary folks stick out like sore thumbs, or do they not even I, register? Is, is it something we do to ourselves I, I or know not? I, I get look. So when I drive in, yeah. and I drive past rows and rows of cars with men in boot, you know, in their boots, fiddling yeah. and to sit, look, they clock you. And yeah. I, I do, you know, I know I know they're looking at me. I know they are. So I get, I get, and I sort of have to have a word with myself as I'm driving down, thinking, <laughs> right, take a deep breath. You're just going to have to get out and say good morning. So that's what I do. I just get out. I just say good morning. Yeah. And then brilliant. they're always lovely. Of course, they're always yeah. lovely. The other day I went to a dig and I got out of my car and there was a little boy next to me oh, and his yeah. dad had been about 10 or 11. And he didn't give two hoots. He yeah. came straight over and because there was a huge rainbow in the sky and I wanted to take a picture of it. And he came over and he said, well, how are you going to get all that in the frame? And, you know, and he just broke the ice. And then his dad said hello. And, it, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Breaking down those boundaries. Well, you, you inspired me. And I had a quick look um, because I feel like um, women were few and far between many years ago, sort of in the 70s when this hobby really took off. Um, and then it has been growing. And then you inspired me because of one of your posts I was looking. Obviously, I do my Instagram stalking before I interview everybody. <laughs> um, so I went on to the podcast figures because you can get some really good stats, especially from Spotify. Um, Apple does it as well. They all do it. But when is it Spotify just to look at the stats? And um, I can report that currently on the podcast, 59% of the listeners are male, 34% are female, 
uh, 6% not specified and 1% non-binary. So I found that really interesting and higher than I thought. Yeah. Mm. And I must admit, I think when I look at the social media side of things, there does seem to be a growing number of women getting involved and having a bit more of a voice. And that's how I got involved in LP because Mm. um, they were... Well, they spotted me as soon as I hit Instagram. I think they said they like the way that I tell stories about my experiences in the hobby. And they were looking for, they have 16 um, real real detectorists on their team. Yeah. Telling kind of real stories. And four of those are women. So they're trying to represent the diversity in our hobby. And diversity makes it way more fun. I mean, come on. You make it more fun, right? So (laughs) I'm I'm pleased to be part of, you know, being able to represent women because I I want more women to join in and and feel comfortable. Absolutely. And we have different things that we have to deal with, including I often speak to the female detectives um, about, which is uh, toilet facilities is one of the things, isn't it? (laughs) In my notes, actually. (laughs) Brilliant. We'll get to that in a minute. But I love that. I love that you mentioned the word diversity. And um, in my corporate job that I've left now, um, I was a champion of DEI, so that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And ah, the yeah, stats okay. on that in terms of business and how well, if even if you're, you know, not on a humanitarian level, but on a business level, and what LP is obviously looking at now is that, yeah, it's good for business to have diversity, neurodiversity, diversity in gender, race, all of those things. It just makes everything more rounded, doesn't it? It does. It's just more fun, I think. It just, everyone brings something different to the table. And what's lovely about listening to your podcast is hearing stories from people from all different walks of life. And uh, mm. you know, everyone's got their reasons for getting involved, and everyone can bring something different to the table. So I, yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to be part of it. You can't get rid of me anyway. I'm here now. No, we, we don't <laughs> want to. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. So Ellie, you um, are in the southwest, aren't you? But you know, you've had a bit of a journey getting to this point. So do you want to let the listeners know about your journey? Yeah. Well, I'm a West Country girl. I grew up in Roman and Georgian Bath, and um, I worked nice. there for many years. And I worked in fashion, and I worked in a great job. Brilliant. On paper, fantastic. Got to do some travel to Paris and Milan every year and worked with amazing creative people, a really interesting job in product design. And um, and I loved it, but there was something really nagging at me. And over the years, I began to feel like there was something missing. And I realized what it was, was I used to just stare out of the window. Uh, obviously, I did do some work. <laughs> but when I was at work, I was sort of at my desk and I'd look out the window and I'd just long to be outside. And it was like really one of those really kind of fundamental things that was wrong with my day was that I felt kind of chained to this desk and I couldn't step outside. But good weather or bad, I just like to be able to step out when I want. Yeah. And um, and I realized that that was actually making me a little bit sick mm. and I needed to be outside. So I... I decided, I, I really soul searched about it for a long time because I did love the work. I loved my team and everything. But um, I sat down with a piece of paper and I wrote this question at the top, which was, how do you want to spend your days? I thought that it's better to ask that question rather than what do I want to earn? How do I want my career path to go? Because that doesn't really help. So I wrote, how do you want to spend your days? And it was very simple. You know, I want to be able to go outside. I want to be able to go to places that make me happy. 
I want to have a laugh. I want to meet great people and have opportunities to learn new things. Yeah. And and I want to be creative because that's at my heart is I'm a creative person. I like to, to make things with my hands. So I was already working um, alongside my job. I was already selling paintings. And I decided uh, paintings of the sea uh, because I love being by the sea. It makes me feel good inside, you know, to be, be yeah. close. And so I thought, right, well, I've got to make a change here. I've got, got if I don't change something, nothing's going to change. So me and my family moved to Devon. Yeah. And um, I decided I was going to go for it. I was going to follow a passion and, and work as an artist. So I've kind of engineered my own job as a coastal artist. I paint I paint the sea and I sell my work through galleries and through my Instagram. Uh, but I also teach. I teach at National Trust Properties and for the Wildlife Trust. And I work all the way through Devon into Cornwall and onto the Isles of Scilly. Wow. And so I'm traveling about. I've I just have I just have a great time, and it's work. My experiment in happiness has worked because <laughs> I feel good. Wow! Um, this whole detecting thing is is part of that experiment because whenever an opportunity comes my way now, I ask myself, "Will this be fun?" And if the answer is yes, then I say yes to it. That's really in principle now. Wow, that's so inspirational, Ellie. I love that story. And just to see the big smile on your face as I'm talking to you now, listeners, I can tell you this girl is smiling. It's obviously working. <laughs> um, how long did it take you then, do you think, from the moment you sat down and you know wrote on that piece of paper, what do you want to do with your days to where you are now? How long did that journey take, do you think? Well, I, I think I've been thinking about this for quite a long time. Um, it was part of a, about 10 years ago, I, I stumbled across this movement called, this is a bit of a, bit of a tangent, sorry. It's all right, we like tangents <laughs> here. Movement called the Financial Independence Movement, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes known as FIRE, Financial Independence Retire Early. And it came over from the States and I was really fascinated by it because it was um, championed by this guy in, in the States who had retired at 31 by <laughs> basically, he'd worked out that Working life is a bit of a con um, <laughs> that we end up sort of trying to afford things we can't really afford. And we, we work so hard and we're so tired and we don't, you know, it's this, this sort of classic rat race type vibes. Um, but he worked out very simply that, you know how, you know how a, um, a pension works when you retire? Yeah. You build up a pot of money and once you get to us, it's invested properly. Once you get to a certain age, it kicks you out an income. Mm -hmm. Well, he worked out if you could just accelerate that, bring it forward, then you can create an income from your, you can basically buy your freedom mm. from obligatory work. Doesn't mean that you don't want to work or that you won't work. It just means that you're not obliged to work for someone else doing something you don't want to do. Mm. And so about 10 years ago, I started on that path. And that's what's really enabled me to make this jump because I have the backing of that, that knowledge about how I was going to support myself around um, my own income that I can generate for myself. So mm -hmm. I I've probably been thinking about it for about 10 years, but I, it took me, you know, a really long time to, it's quite, I'm, I'm going to big myself up here, but it's, I'm anyone else that's done. It's quite brave to mm. step out of a really good career to do something yes. potentially could be a complete disaster. <laughs> it's, it's not been a disaster. It was uh, my fears were unfounded. You know, it's been actually great. I've enjoyed the 
feel like I'm still on this big adventure. So yeah, mm. I, it's, it's it's quite fun. Ah, that's really really interesting. Thank you for sharing that, so the listeners. I'm sure some folk will be inspired by that and going off and researching the fire movement. And uh, yeah, it does feel <laughs> scary. I've just left my job. And it was kind of like, right, what do I want to do now? Do I want to step, like you say, exactly, it just echoes, resonates with me. Um, Do I want to go back into that world of high pressure, long hours, almost changing me as a person because of dealing with that stress and everything? Or do I want to go down this better, happier for me path? Um, And so I'm currently, you said brave, um, but you're right. It is is brave because you do have to sort of sever that traditional thinking, don't you? That you must must go to your traditional nine till five. Yeah. And you've got to start, I think maybe it's just as I'm getting a bit older, I I don't actually care so much what people think now. I know probably there were probably people that thought, what on earth are you doing? (laughs) But I don't really care now. Yeah, I actually, I'm really proud of what I'm doing, and I I think I've, I've proved those people wrong because now I hear from friends and family, you know, oh, I love love seeing what you're up to. You're off all over the place. How yeah. you're lucky? How do you get? I think I'm not lucky actually. I've actually made that happen for myself. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you've been brave. You worked your butt off, <laughs> and now you're reaping the rewards. Well done, you. <laughs> much. Excellent. Excellent. So that's a a really interesting story. And then how did you actually get into metal detecting? Where did that begin? Well, I was really thinking about this and I was thinking that um, I, I I think I'm a child of the 80s. So I remember all those films like The Goonies and Raiders of the Lost Ark and having like a real fascination with this idea of treasure. My dad's an Mm -hmm. antique dealer. So I grew up around lots of um, old things in the house, not not things that were locked away in cabinets. Definitely not. My dad, he, everything we used was antique. So our kitchen table, our chairs, our knives and forks, everything was antique, and and they were objects to be used and not things to be sort of looked at and not touched. Mm. So I'm used to being around old things, and I'm interested in stories of people and places, and that's the bit that really hooks me in. Anyway, I remember hearing about metal detecting as a child and thinking that sounds amazing like imagine being able to find out what's underneath the surface but <laughs> it wasn't sort of a thing you could get involved in then no when I was pregnant with my second child I had this brainwave that I would get a metal detector and use my maternity leave with my baby on my front and kind of you know have a go <laughs> yeah completely <laughs> Well, I didn't realise that you can't really do that. So I bought this metal detector in 2009 and I I couldn't put my baby on my front. Of course you can't do that. So I went out when I had the opportunity, had the use of a field and I knew it would be a good field, but all I found was iron because at that time there was no YouTube. And so um, there yes. was no support. So I found loads of iron and in the end I decided to sell it because I think during my maternity leave I thought I'd probably be better off just keeping the cash yeah um so i sold it and i regretted it so much and then this year i had a bit of a hard winter i i broke my foot slipped on a coastal path and you know the end of the winter you're a bit down anyway aren't you yeah down here in devon it gets quite quiet everyone retreats into their own village and there's kind of no no way of being with other people so i thought I'm, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to treat myself. So on Valentine's Day, I bought myself 
a metal detector. And oh, I, I decided I would use it as an opportunity to go to uh, to join a group, meet new people and get my broken foot going again, start doing something with gentle walking. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I treated myself and that's really uh, how I... How I, how I got back into it um, after that first failed attempt. <laughs> oh my goodness. First of all, how's the foot? Is the foot okay now? Oh, absolutely fine. I mean, you know, when you do something like that, you think, oh, I'm, that's it now. I'm never, yeah. It's never going to mess. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, I'm absolutely fine. It was um, amazingly quick, actually, healed in only a couple of months. So yeah, I don't even notice that anymore. Good. Um, well done. It, it, it was good because it gave me that impetus to say, I, I've got to get out. I've got to start moving. And so yeah, I started, I thought I'll start a new hobby and I'll throw a bit of money at it because, yeah. you know, Why not? sometimes you've got to treat yourself, haven't you? And I love, love, love that you treated yourself on Valentine's Day. <laughs> that was a total coincidence, but it has turned out to be a bit of a whirlwind romance. Yes, with this absolutely. <laughs> this year, I tell you. So what, what brand yeah. of detector was that first one that you got then? And is that still your current machine? Well, it was until about a week ago. Uh, I bought a Not the Legend. Um, I wanted to go for something that was sort of upper mid-level. So I wasn't uh, just messing about, you know, I, there's nothing worse in my mind than the idea of walking a field and trying really hard and not catching, the, not hearing what's there. So I thought mm. I'm going to go for, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to get something, you know, upper mid-level. So I bought the Not to Legend and I felt supported because I was watching a guy called Digger Dan on YouTube yes. and he's brilliant. Yeah. I just really liked his style and he was using the legend and I felt supported because he is very generous with sharing his settings and stuff. And so, yeah, that's what I did. I bought the legend, um, but I've just in the last week got a new machine, which is the XP Deus 2. And yes. So yeah, I'm 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 having a whole. I'm starting again. <laughs> Getting. <laughs> yeah, that was a leading question. Of course, I I knew you had your your new machine, and I saw your video. <laughs> you know, I've been I've been harping on about it on 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 Instagram. But I, I think what actually really get, gave me made me sort of go out and buy a detector was that I was studying at an art college at the. I did a year at Newlyn School of Art in Cornwall last year and my tutor, who is very, very well-educated, very knowledgeable art historian and an amazing artist, he mentioned to me that he is also a detectorist and I was quite surprised at putting the mm -hmm. two things together and he said, I'll bring my finds in to show you if you, if you like. So I said, I said, oh, oh I always yeah. wanted to do that. He brought his little box of finds in a little Tupperware box he opened the lid Inside, there was an ancient bar of gold or a part Ooh. bar being torn, but, you know, yeah. really beautiful, that mm. lovely color and just amazing. My eyes, of course, completely lit up and uh, a hammered coin, first one I'd ever seen, yeah, just blew me away. The detail, the age, the fact that it's handmade and um, a little mount that's a Viking mount in the shape of a dragon's head. I mean, oh my goodness, amazing. I, I was honestly, I just couldn't. I was completely stunned by these beautiful little objects. And um, and he said, if you like, you can come with me to a, a dig and you can borrow a piece of kit and we'll see, we'll just go out and have, you know, you can come. Amazing. But I didn't wait. I just went, I just went straight home and just said, I've got to buy a detector. Yeah. And that's, so yeah, Valentine's Day was a bit of a sort of coincidence really but it's quite funny <laughs> the invoice the other day and seeing that was the day <laughs> oh amazing amazing yeah isn't it great there's so many people 
have thought okay. about the hobby and for one reason or another it didn't work and then there's that moment of inspiration where they fully jump into the hobby so that's really nice his sort of moment of generosity and then sharing those finds with you yeah i hope i can do that for someone else one day I'd better get some good finds first in the Tupperware box. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie, you're already doing it. You just don't realise you really are already doing it on Instagram. You can imagine there's lots of people stalking your Instagram and going, I think I might buy a detector scene. I think I'm going to go for it. I think I am. I hope so. I hope people do. Actually, on buying my second one, I did actually take a bit more advice and I – uh, I asked people that I knew. I, I held a few and see which one I like the feel of. And I went on LP Metal Detecting. I've got this really cool little um, tool on their website called the Detector Selector. You can go on there. Ooh. It's got it's like a one-minute quiz. It's so easy. It's just yes or no, yes or no, yes or no kind of answers. And it, it just funnels you into – because there's so many, isn't there? And it's a complete minefield. Yes. You're going to choose the make, the, the different models, the different features – well, it, it basically funnels you into two or three suggestions at your price rate mm-hmm. for the type of detecting you want to do and taking into consideration some of the things that are important to you. So for me, lightweight was important because I want to be out for as long as possible. And it yes. just helps you to decide, you know, at least pushes you in a little direction to start your research. And I found that really helpful. And so I ended up going for one of the ones that they'd suggested. That's really cool. I'd not heard about that tool before. So thank you for sharing on that. And you're right. If you if you don't know any other people with machines, you can only judge on what you see and weight and balance and everything, depending on how tall you are and the reach of the detector. It's quite personal. Brilliant. So yeah. what are you enjoying about the uh, Deus 2 then? What features do you like about it? I mean, at the moment, I'm still. We're still getting to know each other, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I'm what I'm loving and instantly loved. As soon as I unpacked it, I'm, I come from a product design background. What a beautifully designed piece of kit! The way it yes. slides into itself and c- goes down into this little, quite space age looking compact shape. Just yes. stunning the way it's been designed. I must say, it feels in the hand feels very good it feels very well balanced even though i think on the scales it probably weighs much the same as my old one (laughs) it actually feels much lighter and Mm. because of the way it's been designed i can hold i can take the hand the whole thing can be extended a little bit longer even though i haven't grown and (laughs) that means i get a much broader swing which i think is adding about 50 percent to my to the ground that i'm covering so mm. straight away, I'm more efficient. So that's that's good, isn't it? Yeah. And then um, the other thing I like is that it's I'm a very visual person, being an artist, and I like to see as much information as I can. And the, there's a little, little tiny screen, and on it you can have an X Y kind of graph, mm. and it's kind of showing you this sort of wild pattern of what's happening under the ground and um, what targets yes. look like in terms of their composition. Yeah. And I've so I've sort of work I've been given some top tips about what to look for when something is worth digging, when it's not worth digging. And that's just brilliant. So I'm walking along, get a signal, pass you know, before I'd have had to dig that thing because I wouldn't be sure, because you can never tell with numbers, can you? hundred no. percent. Um so I started to rely on my ears with my old machine, which is I think was good training. You know, it's good to use your ears. And sometimes you you know, if you hear a tone and it's really good tone, you've you've mm. just to dig it because you just don't know but this gives me that second backup like visually does it look right 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel more confident that I'm not missing things. And mm. that, that peace of mind is really what I think I'm paying for with that yeah. machine. Yeah, absolutely. I'm an XPORX user, so wow. mine again folds up the same way. So I know um, what you mean. I always think it looks when it's folded up a bit like the Enterprise. Yeah, it does. It looks kind of fun. there's something kind of space age about it. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so light. And and for me, um, I really like the machines where you can charge them and you don't have to put batteries in them. For me personally, and again, that yeah, uh, lessens the weight, right? And then headphones-wise, yeah. um, I got for my XP and the headphones that come with that, I got a little puck. So I just put that in and then I can use any normal headphones with the, the 3.5 jack. Um, so that's good. So I can just put that separately in my pocket and it's under usually under my baseball cap, my headphones. So, so. so you're, you're using a wired headphone? Yeah, yeah, right. so um, it can be wireless, but I didn't find the headphones that you use for it to be uh, wireless comfortable. Oh, so the okay. way to get around that is you can buy this little puck and plug it in, and then you can use normal headphones. So then I've got headphones like this that I use. Yeah, yeah, because I mean I think wireless definitely for me because I I'm not I chuck my machine, and that's another thing. I need a machine that's quite hard. <laughs> as soon as I found a signal like ready to dick, yes. like that just gets. Yeah. guarded to one side <laughs> uh, i need to be more careful with getting into better habits with my deus too because i don't want to i don't want to break it by being too kind of yes. dismissive of it yeah. but, um, <laughs> I, I like my headphones i i went for the, the they come as a pack they come with the back phone which wraps around the back of your head but i yeah. went for the one i changed it up and went for the ones that go across the top yes just because of how i wear my hair really and i didn't want to get all you know everything yeah. tangled up yeah. So yeah, I went for those, but they're really good. Yeah, really good. You don't even know. They just everything connects, which is amazing. Yeah, really convenience, isn't it? Convenience, and then like you say, it's your your backup to see the screen to make sure what you're thinking, you're hearing, and detecting is worth. Yeah, digging. I find that very reassuring. I must say, and efficient as well, right? Because we've only got so many hours in the day, and we've only got so much energy, so we don't want to be digging absolutely everything. Some days we do, no, but not every day we no. want to be digging everything. I mean, I feel like I've done a kind of um, crash course in in detecting. So although I've only been going since February, I think I've packed about five years worth of detecting into one year. <laughs> so I now feel quite um, confident that I. I won't. I don't very often dig any iron unless it's mixed with something else. Yeah, and so I'm not. I, I've sort of streamlined my digs to something to things that are hopefully the things that are worth digging. Yeah, well done you. Well done you. And the rest of your gear, do you take um, like a hand trowel or a hand digger with you? And what spade have you got? Both my digging tools are Nocta. Um, I've got the Nocta <laughs> digging tool, which is like a little um, trowel with serrated edges, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. And I've got a Nocta premium shovel. I bought it because it breaks down into two parts because I thought I'd be doing a lot of beach detecting and I'd want to kind of carry everything in a backpack. Yeah. But I, I don't like beach detecting at all. <laughs> um, so I, I've actually never broken it into two parts. However, it's brilliant. It's absolutely <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest person. So throwing your weight like, on a spade, sometimes it just doesn't even dent the ground. But yeah. this thing cuts straight through. I've got woodland permissions with with ivy roots and stuff and it cuts straight through. So, yeah, brilliant. Love it. Yeah, you need that, don't you? You need that yeah. for sure. I've got a, a Garrett Carrot Pinpointer. Oh, um, great. Which, which I love. Yeah. And, um, 
clothing wise, I just wear a right hot pot. I like a t shirt, so I usually have some sort of t shirt. And then I got these trousers, which someone said to me the other day, Are you in the police force? Because your trousers are like police ladies' trousers. But they're actually, um, they're actually from a um, from a, they're, they're lady builders' trousers from a site king, a place called Site King. Brilliant. And uh, I think the, probably the biggest investment in my outfit has been my boots. I've, I bought the best ones, Scarpa, because Ooh. they're so comfortable. They're like Everest's walking boots. Yeah. Brilliant. Waterproof. I'm so glad that was worth the spend. So, I mean, that was part of the, my original investment, which I gave myself to spend on the legend and all the kit. I yeah. thought I'm going to get boots. So, yeah, that's my kit. Lovely, lovely. I was out at the weekends and I had my so-called waterproof boots on and I was in um, a field that was it was just starting to overgrow with grass and things and because of the good weather I think it had all got a bit long again and because of the early morning and the the dew and everything after about an hour I felt like I had trench foot and the water oh, was getting in down yeah the- yeah yeah so uh, the holiday season is upon us I'm starting to write my wish list <laughs> I'm starting to write my wish list as well I've, I've got a few ideas for my for, yeah I've got a couple of, actually all my stuff is acting related as well yes. I want a, I'm gonna ask for um, a printer's tray you know um, Ooh, what's a printer's so, tray? What do you mean? Well, long ago, when people were p- printed using letter letter sets, you know, yeah. traditional old school printing of books and stuff, the printers would have these drawers, big wide drawers, which had little grids. Um, oh yes, all the letters in. Yes, you can buy them, but they're obviously all old, vintage or antique. But they're yeah. brilliant. You can put them up on the wall and use them to store your little things that you found. Little bits and pieces. I'm going to get some of that. And I've also, cool. I've got on my list for Father Christmas, a, a UV torch. Because someone Ooh. said today, when I was going off to the Isles of Scilly to look for shipwreck stuff, they oh. were like, you've got to take a UV torch because you can spot diamonds and, op- and opals on the on the beach. Oh um, my goodness. And and also certain types of sea glass that's got like uranium in it, I think. It's glow- they glow. I've just- seen that. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, I was at the time when I got their message, I was in Penzance and I had about an hour till my flight and I was going around every B&M home bargains. <laughs> Penzance, have you got a UV torch? No, sorry. <laughs> That's my list for Christmas. Yeah, hang on a minute. I just need to write that down. UV torch, I need one of those days. <laughs> That sounds awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, thank you for sharing your detecting gear, some top tips there as well. Um, We're going to move on to finds now. Now, I've seen a couple of awesome things you've already found on your socials, but do you want to tell us about some of your best bits and pieces you've found? Yeah, go on then. I've only got a few, so it won't won't take long. Um, Well, I think probably my first best find was my my Henry VI half-groat which, um, as hammered coins go, it's a, a bit of a stunner. It's and it's come out of the ground in perfect condition. But even better than that, it was the circumstances in which I found it because I was with my family and some friends. We were all uh, um, camping on the permission where I my my first permission. Brilliant. And it was my first time getting my detector out, and I thought I'll just get it out around where we were all have the fire going and everything. Yeah. Turned the mission on, went up and down a couple of times and got this signal and pulled that out of the ground in front of all the kids who were just couldn't believe it. Wow. You know, that our history, 
sprinkled all over our nation like this. They were like, what? Yeah. This, this piece of treasure right there, where, you know. Yeah. And it was like, I think they thought, oh, well, that's what detecting's all about. Then you just get your detector <laughs> out and then the hammer comes up. <laughs> of course, I've only found two in eight months, so it isn't like that at all. But what a lovely coin. And it's really, you know, I, I just am blown away by the detail on it, really. And just that it came out the ground like that after 600 years, just crazy, isn't it's it? It's always amazing. And you always start thinking yeah. about who was the person that dropped it. How come they dropped I it? I know, I felt bad about it, actually. I always, when I make a find, I always kind of say, I'm really sorry you dropped your coin because no. I know how pissed you must have been. <laughs> um, and, and actually, I found out, I, I've, I always try and find out the context of my finds and I found out how much that was worth mm. um, to, in those days. You know, what could you buy with it in those days? Well, basically, uh, most people in the 1400s, because that coin's dated around 1420 to 30, worked in rural communities on the land and a, a farm worker would earn about 3p a day right. and a, a groat is worth 4p so this half groat was just over half a day's work for someone yeah yeah it's quite annoying isn't it if you've worked really hard on and you've got no, nothing to take home at the end of the day so I always say sorry but I always say but I hope you'll be pleased that I'm going to look after it very very well and I'm very delighted to have it um so that was my first find that I was really really pleased with and and then quite quickly afterwards I found old gold Beautiful. and that was a, a real surprise I, I actually driven all the way to Suffolk to a Roman dig hoping hoping to find something Roman and I got there and I I swung that blimmin detector for eight hours in the dust and heat I didn't hear a single tone and I thought there's something wrong I didn't know I don't know if it was the ground I don't know if it was my detector I, I was by the end of the day I was so down I'd driven about 300 miles to get to this dig on my own stayed the night in the hotel gone to the dig done eight hours and I hadn't found anything and I was so gutted and I drove yeah halfway back to Devon and stopped off in the Cotswolds where I've got a, a field that I can use and I went to bed feeling a bit disappointed but then the next day I thought right I'm going to test my machine and just make sure there's nothing wrong here so I, I switched it on went over the lawn and and heard this tone and it was when I dug it up very very shallow in the lawn I've been walking over it for about 16 years it was it looked like it was a ring so I thought there's no way that, that that this will be real gold because it's, you know, why? I, I, in my head, I thought it must be costume jewelry because it's right near the house. So I just didn't do a gold dance or anything. I went into the house and I put it in the washing up bowl, rinsed it off, and yeah, it was really, really shiny and looked really good. <laughs> and it had a red stone in it, the absolute match of my nail varnish. So, and then I put it on and it fitted. <laughs> perfectly on my ring finger. so I was like cool I found a nice bit of jewelry had a look inside and there was no hallmark so I was like oh never mind you know can't what it is and then I put it up on a shelf and then I started thinking actually if it hasn't got a hallmark maybe maybe it's really old <laughs> I tentatively put it out on one of the Facebook groups and got you know, immediately loads of likes and comments saying, you found old gold, yes. that, that's so good, you know, and uh, you've got to report it. So then I had my first flow experience. I had to report to the Salisbury Museum 
and she wanted to see it. So we met um, in a little town in Wiltshire, sat yeah. on the library steps because the library was shut. And I got it out and showed it to her and oh, my heart was pounding because I wasn't sure how old it was. It could have been anything. Some people said, oh, it might be Elizabethan. Some people said, it could be Roman. And I was like, oh, wow, imagine if I'd found something that old. But she held it and she was like, yeah. there's something not right about this ring. She said, it's just too light. It just doesn't feel like gold. And she said um, that quite often they get really good copies coming into the mm. flow. And they and she said, um, you know, we've we've had great cracker toys. And I thought, oh no, this is so embarrassing. I've <laughs> I was like, imagine I've brought her a fake and I'd feel so embarrassed. <laughs> But um, it stayed with her for quite a while. She she looked at it under a microscope and, and realised that it was old gold. And then she had to refer it to the British Museum curator who confirmed that yeah. it's actually not classified as treasure because it's not quite old enough. So they, they dated it at around 1800. Yeah. So I'm going to get it back, which is <laughs> great. <laughs> so I'm going to, going to go and collect that. But very, really wasn't expecting to find old gold in my first six months of detecting. So, yeah, I'd say those are probably my two most treasury finds. But my favorite find is um, my medieval candle holder, yes. which dates back to the 14th century. And I just love it because it's, you know, it's an everyday object, isn't it? That, yeah. That we really needed because I, I don't know how it ended up wedged in a hill in Dartmoor, but... <laughs> I bet whoever had dropped it was quite annoyed when they got back to wherever they were going. Because, I mean, obviously, I well, it's one of those items that life, you know, was so tough in those times, wasn't it? And you really, mm. really would need that. So it's beautifully made as well. And, and um, I think one of the reasons I like it so much is it's one of the things my dad really loves. It's old metalware and collects a lot of old candlesticks. So he was able to tell me everything about it. Brilliant. He was able to you know where it had been made and that it'd been made in Belgium on the River Meuse apparently a lot of our domestic candle holders were made there and brought over to oh, interesting yeah and that it would have once had a, um, a circular sort of little dish underneath it so it mm. at the moment it doesn't stand up because it needs a base so I might I might have to get something made I think so I can use it I did I did light it on Instagram live yes uh, did you see that I did <laughs> quite... I love that you you used it for its purpose again. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was lovely. Even just so nice to think that that morning it was in the dark in a hill in the earth. And then by the evening it was, you know, lit up again. It was really quite special to do that. And I mean, even more special because I uh, I actually thought it was trash. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I, sh I showed it to a few people on the dig and they were like, oh, that looks like um, that's probably part of a, a valve for a you know for a, a some sort of bit of farm machinery mm. and someone else said oh you found a bit of an old victorian bed stead mm. yeah so i chucked it on the floor in my car <laughs> um it sort of threw it down all muddy and it was only when i got it home and washed it i thought that's that is not a valve yeah that is definitely that's something else. definitely something and and sculptural and it's got like um lovely details on it and decoration i didn't i just didn't notice so check your trash people yes always 
That's a theme of uh, some recent episodes. Let's keep that going. Check your trash, everybody. (laughs) We love that. That's brilliant. Your finds are like detecting in front of your family and friends. I can imagine me detecting in front of my family and friends and the jokes would be, oh, she's ring pool hunting and all this kind of stuff. In my world, that's what it might be. And the fact that you managed to pull up this amazing hammered coin in front of everybody. That's so good. But I mean, that's what set me up now because, you know, every time... (laughs) now with an old crusty old button and I'm like excited about it yeah um the expectation I found recently found a a tiny little shipwreck bead which was a big hunt for me on the Isles of Scilly to try and find one they're very very difficult to find but I did find one well done so I sent an excited picture home to my family and my teenage son was like send a pic send a pic so send a picture and he was like I'm not going to lie, Mum. Disappointed. That, that, that looks really, really small and not what I was thinking at all. I was like, don't worry about the size, Ivo. It's more about that. <laughs> but it took me this long to find it. That's what you've got. To get. Yeah, just all be happy for you. <laughs> and then the ring as well. The, the fact you immediately talked yourself into um, no, it's costume jewelry. It can't be anything good. And Ellie. Did the gold dance ever happen or are we going to see a gold dance when you get the ring back on Instagram? Do you know what? I, I was thinking about that. I think I will do a gold dance. Yes. I, I will. Yeah. I think it's I'm a I'm an old rainbow. <laughs> so it's going to be sort of like bleepy music going on and I'll do a gold dance. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> me too. Me too. I shall wait for that then. <laughs> we'll look forward to it. We need to make a big announcement in the day that one comes out. Oh, God, no. Let's see, it. Let's see how it works out. First we make it. <laughs> Get you some glow sticks at the same time with the gold star. Right. That'd be great. Okay. Lovely. Well, thank you for sharing your best finds. And then we always go on to ask, have you found anything weird or slightly odd in your time so far? Well, I found I have found a couple of things. Um, what, the one I'm going to talk about today is I, it's metal, so it counts, but it's so big it wouldn't fit under a metal detector. So I can't truly say it was a, it was more of an eyes only find. I spotted Ooh. this huge thing floating out to sea, bright orange, about two or three hundred meters off the coast, and I squinted and tried to work out what it was. I didn't have any binocs with me. I wondered, in fact, if it might be one of those life rafts. So I did look for quite a long time just to check there was no one in trouble, but it didn't seem to be. It was too big to be a boy, too small for the mm. life raft, so I sort of walked away from it. A couple of weeks later, I found it washed up on the beach, and it was this huge, I mean, way bigger than me, probably about eight feet across, looked like a big metal boy with spiky bits coming out of it, bright orange. Ooh. And I thought, I'm a beachcomber, so I was like, cool this is like the biggest bit of shrapnel i've ever found went over to it put my arms out big and wide and got a picture taken with it for the sort of you know for the insta yeah um didn't even think didn't even cross my mind this looks like ordinance because <laughs> 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 of course down here a lot of ordinance washes up on the beach yeah um, and i i posted it with this goofy picture of me and Someone came onto my Instagram and said, uh, that looks like a submarine mine. I wouldn't go <laughs> so close for you. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, no. So quickly I reported it. I reported it. Someone else popped on and said, oh, my dad heads up the Coast Watch in your area. I'll let him know that you found it. And apparently they'd been watching it for a while. It's uh, it's actually a dummy naval <sighs> 
green mind, thank God. Otherwise, I don't think they paint the real ones bright orange. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that actually. Like, look over here, watch out. I mean, it had, it had, it's used by the Royal Navy to do gunning practice out at sea, and it had made right. land where I live. And so yeah. they said, "Well, thanks for letting us, us know it's made land. We've been watching it for a few weeks, and um, it's perfectly safe. It's perfectly safe." And uh, yeah. so, yeah, uh, that was a bit of a, a lesson in uh, don't approach ordnance on the beach (laughs) (laughs) and that's a one-off i don't think we're ever going to have anyone else coming on the podcast saying they found that i can't think of anything that i found detecting apart from a phallus mount which i I mean that's just funny really isn't it yeah um, i was very pleased to find it Uh, but i haven't really found anything else weird yet I don't think yet. I think I think those two things actually count really well towards okay. your weird <laughs> your weird list. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Okay, excellent. So now we're going to move on to um, your history favorite bits and pieces. So, do you as yet have a favorite monarch or emperor? that you would like to seek out? I, was, I really thought hard about this question. You're asking someone who showed probably very little interest in history at school now i'm super fascinated by it but i didn't listen properly at school and even if i was interested i don't seem to have the kind of brain that can retain facts and dates and names (sighs) and even my dad super knowledgeable telling me interesting things the minute i hear him talk about history i think oh that's really interesting i hope i can remember it then it's just gone straight away (laughs) um, in terms of monarchs i'm gonna have to say whichever monarch featured on something I found because I use it as a research tool. So just as an example, that the Henry VI half groat that I found has a picture of the king on it. And he was nine months old when he came to the throne. And this coin was made in his first 10 years of his reign. So it was made when he was a child. And now I look at the picture of him on there. It's, it's a little boy's face. It's not a man. Mm. Um, and it's and that's that's quite interesting. Also reading up about him, he was pretty unpopular guy by all accounts not the most successful monarch and uh, life uh, in those times was was quite tough I think so I mean that's that's the monarch I know about because that's the one I've got on a coin right in front of me now yeah um, time I find a coin I'll probably learn about another monarch yeah but for now, I'm uh, I'm very limited in my knowledge my, my knowledge is limited to horrible histories and Blackadder <laughs> Yeah, that always teaches us, and it's a good way of remembering stuff, isn't it? That way, when you're remembering yeah. all the skits, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, we've got very similar backgrounds. I've said before at school, um, when we did history and geography, history was always dead boring to me because it was always just repetitive in terms of World War II. Um, and then I took geography later on when I had my options. Um, so I'm also a beginner, and partly why I started the podcast, and exactly the same as you. Um, I tend to learn more as I find stuff and research it. Yeah, I think this is so much more interesting, like learning about history through objects. Mm. It's really interesting. And it's it's also about learning about yourself in some ways, because this is a bit deep, but this, I've been thinking about this quite a lot, but basically it kind of places you in time. You know, we are, we're here now. What will we leave behind that will be still here when we're gone? And it's sort of, connects you to this line of people long before us. I mean, actually, three, four, five hundred years ago, all these things that we're finding, buckles and stuff, it's not that far back. These are people just like us living, you know, in this place where I am now, where I'm searching. 
and these are everyday things it it sort of connects us to the fact that we're not here forever you know it, it's quite interesting and I, I like the i like that finding little everyday things almost more than the treasures yes that sort of reminds us that these are just people like us you know yeah absolutely you're right absolutely and plus looking at history as a whole it can be quite overwhelming, can't it? And especially myself, like you, we've got similarities in that I'm struggling to retain information sometimes, specific different types of information. I don't know whether it's something to do with my age, perimenopausal. Yes, I've said that word on the podcast. Um, it's hard to remember stuff. I can't remember my own name sometimes. <laughs> I think everyone learns in different ways, don't they? And I'm very, I'm visual, but I also like a story. I think once you can start to connect a thing to real people and a human connection, then you start to re remember it. Then it makes exactly. it much easier to remember. Yes. So yeah, that's how I'm learning. I'm just learning day by day. Each each little object takes you off on a crazy research mission. The most random. I mean, what you don't know what you're going to find, do you? And it just takes you off on these random directions. I, I like that. It makes it fresh, and you're not stuck in one era for a long time like you are at school, learning about one thing. You know, you go off in all these different directions. But what connects all of the things is these are just human beings like us, living life, trying to do the best they can for their families. Exactly the same as we all are. And that's what I like about it, this hobby, really. Lovely. Well said. Well said. So I guess that's probably the same for your favourite history era as well then. You're sort of learning as you go. Well, that I, feel, that I do feel a little bit more I can talk about because I, I, there is an era that I really I find really fascinating and that is the medieval era because I think because I come from a product design background, I'm, I'm really appreciating these objects. It's, it's a time of no shortcuts. Like, all the mod cons that we are used to now, everything that's come in since the industrial age, mm -hmm. everything. I mean, everything you tried to do in that time must have been hard. Like, no, no artificial light. So the minute the light starts to fail, you can't actually see. You've got to get a candle out. You know, everything. Lighting a fire must have been difficult. Finding food. You've got to grow it. You've got to rely on the seasons. Yeah. The, the whole, you're living utterly hand to mouth, you know. And and that makes, to me, every object that I find from that time very, very meaningful because there was no such thing as mass production like there is today in, in product design and, and uh, manufacturing. Every item mm. that I find has been manufactured by hand as a one-off thing and skill involved. I mean, I worked with um, precision tooling uh, and engineering of metal, metal work, metal products. And, you know, even today with digital access to digital and um all those all the sort of design aids that we have it's it's really very tough to get precision uh de design details into metal it is. these people are working by hand creating dies to make these coins i mean that's just that's just crazy isn't it to think that they had the ways of doing that mm. and and th those objects have survived this long. I mean, not many things that we're making today will survive in the ground. Um, so I find the medieval period quite interesting. It's, it's a bit dark as well, isn't it? <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> there were no rules. There was no police force. There was no health service. There was no education. I mean, it's just dark, isn't it? When you think about it, you're born into your lot really weren't you then and you just had to just like it or lump it and you just have to deal with it and I, I i i 
have a sort of respect for the people that lived in that time. The other day, I went to a dig on Dartmoor and the, the ground was so stony. Like I couldn't even get my spade in. It was just, <laughs> and I just thought, imagine being a medieval farm worker up here in the weather or, you know, you can't just go in if it starts raining like I did. I went in and got feet. You know, you've got to stay out there and you've got to dig that land with handmade yeah. tools. Yeah. And, you know, if you didn't, you wouldn't have any food next season. And it's just that kind of thing. I just, I, I respect the people that lived at that time hugely. And life expectancy 35 Oof. back then. Literally you know. the survival of the fittest and the fact that we're here today having this conversation. I mean, the chances are minuscule, but yet we're here and yeah. that's because of those ancestors. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Have you ever had any uh, issues while out detecting? I mean, obviously you're out in Dartmoor and places like that, so the weather can change quickly and get quite wild. But have you had any any issues? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm quite used to that because I, I work outside a lot as an artist, so I'm, I'm quite hardy when it comes to weather and stuff. But I think I think you mentioned it earlier, the wee problem. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is, I know this, sorry, boys, but, you know, it's got to be <laughs> said. It is really difficult. You know, I, I think you have to carry a tissue and be prepared to hop over a yeah. wall, basically, don't you? Because often you turn up at a dig and there mm. isn't a loo at all. And it's all right if you're a bloke, isn't it? I mean, you can go and find a, a hedge and yeah. just turn your back. But for us, that requires the full, you know, undressing of the lower <laughs> half, which is quite, it's quite explosive, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, you kind of need a wingman or lady to stand guard and say, you're, you're all right, there's no one coming, there's no one coming. But if you're on your own, that can be uh, quite challenging. But I haven't really had any major issues um, whilst out detecting. No, not really. Not yet. Anyway, apart from, oh, <laughs> I did spook myself out big time um, detecting. Here by the sea, you get this rolling mist that comes in either off the moor or off the sea when the weather's a certain kind of way, warm yeah. and a bit wet. And um, I went detecting up at one of my permissions on a farm and I found myself shrouded in this thick, thick mist. And I was, I was fine, you know, I was on my own going up and down through this mist. And then this weird noise started up, like a kind of eerie bellow. Banshee. And it kept going, going. And I couldn't, and it was carrying through the mist in this very bizarre way. I'd never heard anything like it before. It really started to freak me out. And I then I made the mistake of thinking about American Werewolf in London. <laughs> Have you seen? Yes. Have you seen that? I mean, so he he's that's he's on the moor and in the mist and hears this sound, this wolf, and getting closer and closer and it, of course it all ends in disaster. Um, so I started thinking of that and then I suddenly thought, God, if I was, I'm on my own up here. No one knows where I am. We've got this <laughs> mis mysterious story up here of this big black cats that live up on the moor. Oh, of course, yes. I suddenly thought, imagine if I was got by the by the beast of the moor and I and no one knew <laughs> and I hurriedly packed my stuff up and started walk, fast walking back to the car. Um, I think what it was, I think it was a cow making a strange sound and carrying in the mist, but it really, ah. really did freak me out. And I, at that moment, I wished I had my buddy with me, but um, yeah. I'm on my own. <laughs> right, we're going to move on to then our bucket lister section, Ellie. So this part where I ask you 
what are a couple of items you've got on your own personal bucket list that you haven't yet found and you're really keen and excited to find in the future? Oh, there's so many. I've got everything yet to find, Katie. But um, I would have said until the other day when I found my first bit of Roman, I would have said, I'd like to find something Roman, please. But I've, I've now found a little something Roman. It's not a treasure, but it's a Roman locking pin, which is um, would have been used as a kind of fixing or fitting on a piece of furniture. Mm. Um so I found a piece of Roman, but I'd love to find a Roman coin. But I think I'm going to choose for this a Celtic penannula ring uh, or an old stator. One of those two. I love the design mark of it, the, the beautiful kind of slightly wonky or incomplete circle. I'm kind of really, I'm really drawn to that mm. shape. And the primitive markings on the stator, the, the moon and the stars and the animals. I love those. I think as a piece of design, those are just absolutely stunning yeah, they are beautiful. things. And, and the penannula ring is is so mysterious what it was even used for. It's too small to go on your finger. It's maybe used for as an earring or a hair decoration or no one really knows what they were for. But um, but that idea of the incomplete circle, I, I, there's just something very pleasing to the eye about that, mm. that design. So if I found something like that, I would just probably hang up my detecting boots and just say I can't I can't beat that now. so that, that would be my personal bucket list I definitely oh, I love that and that really hits the mark in terms, to, in terms of your love of design as well doesn't it yeah absolutely yeah and gold why are we drawn to gold it's just something <sighs> you know it's just so beautiful, it's so beautiful. and precious and rare yeah, yeah what it is our brains but it must connect back long long ago you know gold why does that why does it sort of thrill us so much to see it hold it mm. sort of almost it's light doesn't it when you yeah. hold it yeah yeah very special okay love those additions to your own personal bucket list good to hear about those i hadn't even considered those items actually but now's the important question ellie drum roll please we want to know what item you want to place on the ultimate bucket list list for our listeners now this can be something out there and wacky which we've had a lot of recently or it can be something that someone probably will find at some point in their detecting career, shall we say. Something that, you know, oh, is a rite of passage. You're going to find one of these eventually. I think that we'll find this, but I'm going to put this in for quite a personal reason. Oh, I love it. When I was little, my dad used to say to me, when I went out off on my little missions, beach combing or searching, he would always say, come back with a Saxon cross. Oh. And I... I knew that must be something special. I knew it must be something very old because the word Saxon to me said, hmm, very historical. Um, a cross. I, I, in my mind, I imagined it as quite a large kind of thing that you might see in a church or something like oh, that. Yeah. I've only just recently looked up what a Saxon cross looks like and it's the most beautiful little object, quite small. Some of them are decorated with stones, garnets and things like that. Very sort of um, wonky shaped cross. And I can see why he said it now. I mean, what a special thing to find anything Saxon and gold, but a cross. I, I think if I could, it, that would be on my ultimate bucket list for my dad, really, because imagine if, oh, he would just be so blown away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd like to use that for my dad. <laughs> Lovely. 
Awesome. We shall whack that on there. Um, I think we do have a Saxon cross, a gold and ruby ah. stone crossed on there already, oh, well, placed on there by Digger Dawn. But we can put your one on there as well. I'll have to put a plain one then that doesn't have any rubies in it. And then we've got we've covered off all the options, all the design options of the Saxon cross for every <laughs> you know what that's spot on yeah let's do that let's do that and then we've got the two um and then we'll find it okay. a nice design we'll we'll discuss offline and then i'll put that on as part of because i post that on the um on the bucket list i list the picture so we'll make sure we find one that you're happy with that's perfect excellent and it you know it is obtainable people have found these things so i love that it's on the list It'd still be out there, Katie. But this this landscape is scattered with treasure. It from. is everywhere, and hopefully, especially in Hampshire, where I am, in one of my fields, <laughs> I will find it. <laughs> Even one of those two places would be good. <laughs> yeah exactly we'll be happy one of us will yeah, find yeah. it <laughs> okay so um want to go on just to ask you any other hobbies you might recommend i mean detecting obviously gives a lot to you but anything else yeah i think talked about this um not many people talk about fitness in our hobby and i have heard a few little comments in some of the facebook groups uh, from people saying Oh, does anyone else feel like they've run a marathon after going out on a day dig? And I must say, I, I do wonder sometimes looking around, you know, how do these, some of the people who, who go there might only go digging maybe every other month. And that's quite mm. tough, isn't it? Quite tough on your... Yes. So um, I'm going to suggest as a, as a hobby that um, it is a wise idea to do some either yoga or strength training, um, because I think if you're keen on the hobby we want to be able to carry on doing it you know as long as possible and to be resilient to injury because the problem is if we're not fit then our bodies get injured and that puts you out of action for months as i yeah as i realized with my broken foot yeah i would recommend walking and yoga um to build up your stamina for for detecting and one way to sort of build that into your day is to stack a tiny little habit on top of another habit so, for example, if you're boiling the kettle and you've got about two minutes, just do two minutes of some little stretch or exercise to help your back and your shoulders and your your knees, you know, maybe squat or do some gentle twists or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to, to build your resilience. And, and if you stack that onto something you already do, like boiling the kettle several times a day, that would make a real difference. So that would be what I would suggest. You've just blown my mind, Ellie. Now I'm thinking of all the Have little I? things I can stack onto all of the things I do. This is amazing. Well, that, that's an idea I've stolen from an amazing book called Atomic Habits, oh. which is all about how to make habits, good habits stick. And it's written by a guy called James Clear and very, very smart book about how to uh, bring into your day things that are really important to you, like health and fitness or it actually, I learned about it through that financial independence movement. So there's a good book for people to read if you're interested in Can that. Can you see my camera? Have I appeared on your screen? Oh, you haven't got it. I bought this book like literally a week ago or just over a week ago because we went to Ibiza for a few days and I bought two books and I actually read, oh, I read the other book and I didn't read this book, but now I'm going to be. <laughs> oh, 
funny if you if you're interested in that he's he's an amazing speaker and he's done a number of podcast interviews where he talks about his methods and i highly recommend it really interesting guy thank you ellie so that's james clear and atomic habits or yeah search james clear on other podcasts i don't want to send you away from this podcast but obviously other podcasts (laughs) to listen to what he's got to say that is a brilliant tip thank you ellie absolutely love that so we're closing out the episode now ellie it's been so interesting to get to know you we have one listener question this is from paul and paul would like to know what is your most favorite movie of all time love stories of survival and endurance particularly ones that are based on true stories. So, you know, they completely horrify me, but I still love them. I'm completely fascinated. So things like Touching the Void about a a climber who had a heart fall and had to... Um, or 127 hours, that guy that got stuck in Oh, yeah, and had had to to lop off his arm. So I love (laughs) those stories, stories of shipwrecks, stories of um, people who've been... um, cast away stories of people who've been those are the kind of things i go for if there's something like that on on uh netflix yeah. i'm like right Courage there and I love endurance it. yes yeah rival you know human resourcefulness and i love all that stuff and that sort of optimistic spirit <laughs> that actually really underpins this hobby i yeah. think optimism quality that i've noticed in uh, detectorists which i yeah i really rate that as a human quality and i love it mm, yeah. yeah you're spot on not only because of the hobby but also you know reasons people are in the hobby and you know there for their mental health because of something they've been through and endured and ptsd and yeah, yeah you're right yeah. you're right i love that answer it's the hopefulness mm. you know that yeah you know even though things might look daft you can still be that person to find that thing or you can still survive that situation. I, I love that, that spirit, you know, love it. So next question for you is, who would you like to hear on the podcast? Is there anyone specifically that you'd like to uh, hear more about? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to say Digger Dan because I think he's just so brilliant at what he does. And um, he's a really nice guy as well. You know, people that just are nice yeah. and um, I'd love Genuine. More, more about him. Um, who else? I'm, I'm going to have to big up my buddy here, Carl. His name, his Instagram is Chasing Status, and oh, he, yes. he's just started a YouTube channel. And he's, um, he's a really nice guy and really knowledgeable as well. Um, well there's so many Brilliant. people I should say here that are going to be annoyed that I haven't said their name. So I'll just, Katie, no. I trust you. I know who. It's going to be brilliant. And I love hearing all the different stories. Everyone's got something to bring. So, uh, uh, great recommendations, Digger Dan and uh, Chasing Status. I'm coming for you. And actually, Carl, Chasing Status, he's been um, liking some of my posts and things. So, he's on my radar anyway. So, has permission. I'm coming for you, Carl. Watch, watch your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic and what have you got coming up obviously you've just done this amazing trip and you've been out and doing some exploring what else have you got coming up on your uh, radar yeah yeah. well I've got loads coming up which is why I I just set up a little baby YouTube channel because I thought why not I've got to share all these adventures because of my work Mm. I get to go to some quite cool places but also through my Instagram, opportunities are landing in my lap. So I've been contacted by someone that owns a 
um, a medieval farm in North mm-hmm. Wales who's asked me to come and work with them. They've just got their first detector. They want to learn a bit more about the hobby and spend a couple of days together just getting, you know, in a relaxed way. So that's really a lovely offer. Um, He's offered me accommodation as well in his luxury uh, glamping shepherd's hut. And so I'm like, I'll be there. (laughs) Um, So that I'm also going to do a ridge and furrow medieval um, land Mm -hmm. in Wiltshire. Uh, I've got lots of like new permissions that are, uh, coming to Good. me now, which is really, yeah. really fun. Um, and then uh, part, as part of the LP team, I'm going to be going to Detectable, yes. which will be my first big kind of detecting festival. I'm going to get to meet all the rest of the team, yeah. some really yeah. nice people, new friends, yeah. and just have, oh, you know, that's what it's all yeah. about, isn't it? Um, so I've got things coming up. Uh, I think that's all I can think of off the top of my head. But it's just... You know, every day detecting, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to, as much as possible, go out at least once or twice. Um, you know, every few days I try and go out. I, my my permissions are very close to oh, my nice. home. So I can sort of just up for a lunch break here or yeah. go quickly before supper. Whenever you've got time. So, yeah. Brilliant. That's, that's really exciting. Lots of fun stuff coming up. And I can't thank you enough for coming on and letting us all get to know you with your short Instagram career. But such successful Instagram career so far. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you, Ellie. Ellie, which is Miss underscore Detectorist. Go and check her out on Instagram. Thank you. All right. You take care. Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. So that was the wonderful Ellie, Miss Detectorist. So on Instagram, it's Miss underscore Detectorist. And on YouTube, it's Miss Detectorist. She's got some great videos up on there already. She's got a lovely style with her videos as well. You're going to enjoy them. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really did. Until next time. See ya. (music) 